Justin, we've made it. It's it's been a long week for both of us. Mm-hmm. It's only Monday, man. That's hard. That's rough. I mean, I, well, I guess I mean like last week was okay. a long, okay. long yeah, for yeah, both yeah. of us. I was like, oh no. Uh, not not necessarily in a bad way. Exciting things. I was on vacation. You were on uh, moving. <laughs> so I guess different sort of uh, different sort of things well, here. If it makes you feel better, it feels like when I went to go to bed every night that I'm on vacation because I still don't have it processed that this is my house. You know what I mean? I uh, so you know as talked about last week i i moved as well <laughs> and so our, our room to me feels like a hotel room yep i don't so i don't, I don't believe it i don't believe that i live here yeah yeah um but uh if you want to hear more about our specific uh sort of adventures this week subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash hitbox pod become a one dollar or sorry a three dollar deluxe podcast producer like jane Nolan, like dave parker sorry i don't normally do this in the, the intro here so it's like kind of it feels kind of loosey-goosey um just to like plug the patreon and all that but justin for the intro since we sort of talked about our lives like i just want to ask like what's up man how you doing i am extremely tired so you're a theater kid right i would say i'm an ex-theater kid it's been a while since i've but like once a theater kid always a theater kid go wildcats like you get it you get it um that that's a reference to high school musical for those who don't get it Yo, oh, they all get it. Oh. I think, uh, let me say this. I think I'm going to say, I've seen the demographics of people who listen to this <laughs> podcast. I'm going to say 99% of people who listen to Hitbox, a podcast, understood the Go Wildcast so, throughout there. Just a quick side note. Uh, yes. During the pandemic, um, I, hel- I assistant directed the production of High School Musical that we did over Zoom. Yes, and I, before- did I watched it. I watched it live. And shockingly, it wasn't horrible, right? It was great. It was yeah, a lot of fun. It was really watchable. Um, but uh, I had only just watched it before we started directing it. I've never seen it before that. Um, sure. And the person I was directing with clearly hadn't read the script either because when we were going through the footage like a month after we recorded everything, he couldn't find like a bunch of scenes that he just missed. And <laughs> knowing who this is, I'm sure that makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, we're in tech week for our freshman show at my school i am in tech week this week so that means every week not only do i have a full work day beforehand but then i'm staying at school to like seven to try to like herd cats into boxes or make ninth graders stand where they need to stand to look good um and it is a lot of to do a tech week it is i have never sat through a tech week in any aspect of it and said this is fun except two years ago when I got to be directed again in a high school production of Legally Blonde. And that's very fun. I I felt it was the best experience because <laughs> I I know what the stress is like on the other side. I know what yeah. the stress was like for my my castmates, the other students in it. And then me, I just came on stage like twice and like with a dog and was like, oh, what's up? And it was awesome not to care in that way and <laughs> like just knowing no, I that bet. I bet. i'm not the problem guys i'm not the problem so that was like what reminded me how fun theater can be and i'm not gonna lie like being a theater um a director sometimes can like take the fun out of it for you because you miss sure, the fun part sure. um but i highly recommend for people to watch the movie theater camp are you familiar with this 
was Lin Miranda? Did he make this? My is that what I'm thinking of? He might have. No. I don't know. I don't know if he's in it. It's a movie that just came out for. Oh no, no, no! Uh, it just came out. It's on streaming. I think it's on like Hulu or Netflix or something like that. Um, but it's basically about like a documentary that's being made about this like really popular theater camp. Um, and as the documentary is like being started, like the first day, the the matriarch of the camp um, is the kind of the focus of this whole. Um, documentary she basically gets like a, a stroke and gets put in a coma at the beginning of it so okay. then they just decide to like film it anyway so it's like her like deadbeat son trying to take over the camp um, and there's so many parts of it like I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a laugh out loud the entire time but like as a theater person the whole time I'm just like yep yep I know that person yep yep I know that person yeah oh yeah I feel, I've done that I've been that guy um, I'm trying to think like uh I, I love anytime something is made that like gets what it's about. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like that get, really gets it. Like, um, I thought that, uh, what was that show? American Vandal. Oh my God. And that the, the same guy, um, is, I'm looking at this, uh, this guy, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Tatro. Tartro. Tatro. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he's in that too. And he, the same kind of like lovable goofball, but American sure. Vandal season one is, I th- honestly think one of the best like seasons of television I've ever seen. It, it's one of the both one of the best written things maybe ever oh yeah uh, and, that, that first season yep, at least yeah um because yeah like like i just think that it gets like those kids so right yep you know and it like and it's it's i mean i guess this is just from my perspective but like it really does the thing where you like walk away and go like i know every single one of those people oh yeah oh my gosh you know? yeah you know you know the like, AV every kid, single they, one yeah and um that I think American Vandal itself also came out at a very interesting time when a lot of like podcasts, when Serial came out, um, yeah. a lot of like podcasts are doing these true crime things when the podcast becomes the news because they kind of like start the investigation up again. Um, yes. And uh, they like because of these like podcasts and things like that, doing these films, they kind of change the news and become a part of it, just like an American Vandal. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, but yeah, so theater camp, I highly recommend if you've ever been in a stage production before, even if you've been to a summer camp, um, there's just so many like little parts of it that are just so on point and so funny. Um, and it's, sure. it's a great, great cast. Um, uh, two, two, uh, I've recently watched the bear. Um, two of the characters oh, from yeah. the bear are, are on it. Uh, so, uh, if you're familiar at all, um, highly recommend seeing it. So that's what I'm feeling like. And it was a good cleanser as I headed into tech, tech week, remembering like, Guys, this is high school theater. (laughs) Yes, chef. (laughs) Yes, chef. Well, Justin, we are going to talk. We're going to be done talking about. Oh, why am I introing it? We haven't even gotten to the to the song. Edit it, box. everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number 160 my name is peter hunts joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host justin makovich justin i started the show by asking how you're doing i'm gonna tell you i'm doing just fine it's a late one for us tonight hitbox nights it is and you can tell because i tried to intro the show like i tried to do the like housekeeping stuff 
before the intro, like before the intro had concluded. Um, but that's we're just, we're keeping it loose today. I mean, Hitbox Nights. To be fair, well, no, that's not true because I recorded a podcast from my my high school guidance counselor's office. Actually, at one point, <laughs> yeah, you did. I was gonna be like, "This yeah, is you the did. first time we were both in a different location," but that's not true. Um, we've we've recorded. We can record anywhere. Just give me give us a mic. Give us some time. <sighs> Have I ever done it anywhere else? Your yeah, your house. So. Yeah, your 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 like like my parents' house. Your obviously, parents' house. The, your apartment and apartment. Your and other, then now this yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to. I want the challenge of doing it on the road. I yeah. I mean, I don't need that much. I just need two screens and like like behind the curtain here, everyone. I accidentally mixed up my two monitors in the move, so like everything has to be switched. So I keep looking the wrong way, and like all my like tabs are in different places. I become such a creature of habit on this that this is uh this is not as easy as I thought it would be. Plus, if you're watching any video thing, um, I'm on a shaky desk, and you can see the screen. Hopefully, you don't get motion sick. Do you see that? Do you see that, uh, Peter? I've been, dude, I've been trying to recover from being on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, like, I don't want it today. <laughs> today, what did I search? Hold on. Let me, let me see. Elena sat down at my desk with me and was like, she really likes my keyboard and the way it like sounds and feels. And so um, she was typing into a Google Doc and um, accidentally opened up my most recently closed tab. And it was, let me see this. Um. I, I googled feeling of being on a boat after <laughs> because I was still sitting at my desk and like <laughs> feeling like I was in the waves. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Justin, uh, I want to give you a preview of what's coming up in video game news because we do talk about that on this show, believe it or not. What? Nintendo and PlayStation surprised us with showcases this past week. Unity, yes, the game engine, um, tries to nickel and dime its creators, and Square Enix stock is down. We're going to talk about all of those headlines and more. Before we do, I want to tell you that you can join us on Discord. Our link, The link to our Discord server is in the description of this episode. As mentioned earlier, you can support us on Patreon. If you've got a little bit of cash burning a hole in your pocket, you can become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like um like jay noel and dave parker uh every single week those fine folks get an additional 30 minute bonus episode um like i said at the top of the show the bonus episode this week we're talking about all the stuff we got up to this week um but we frequently talk about video game topics and and get going a little more in depth into topics that came up on the show um so if you're interested in that you can find that patreon.com slash hitbox pod if not all good follow us on twitter um at hitbox pod you know the drill Make sure to write this episode in your podcast player of choice. Five stars. Or whatever you feel is fair. I'm not really your dad, so you can do whatever you want. Justin, let's talk about the games that came out this week. What do you think? Oh, let's do it. Metacritic Roundup. We got three games that came out this week. Um, three, if I could call them bangers, I will. And also, shout out Metacritic, totally major layout change on the website. Like, it was so easy to find the new games that came out with scores this week. I didn't, like, I didn't know what to do. I usually have, like, a 15-minute, like, window to look at that. It was right there on the front. It was right there. Very easy to understand. Um, also, it sort of seems like, like, I can't tell if they're doing it like Open Critic does, where they kind of, like, mash all the scores together. I don't think they do, but 
it's a little difficult to tell here. Um, but what I'm trying to say is uh, here's the first game that we're talking about. This is a follow up from what we talked about last week with Lies of P. Obviously, I've been playing it quite a bit. Um, and I said that I think that it was going to get either a 79 or an 81, depending on how harsh or generous people were feeling about it. And on the PlayStation 5, it scored an 81 Ooh. on PC and 82 Ooh. and on Xbox Series X and 84. It's also coming to Xbox One and PS4, but it is unscored uh, on both of those platforms. Um, Justin, we talked a lot about Liza P last week. It's it's a Souls-like with Pinocchio set dressing. Um, what, uh, what do you think of this game? Does this seem interesting to you? Tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, the I think the reviews kind of like really kind of sold me that I want to try this game. Um, your Let's Play that that we did on our bonus show last week also kind of did it because it seemed very much in the terms of like Bloodborne, but it also looked like there was enough skills and enough things in there that it's not... I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong and you can change my mind. I feel like in so often in dark souls when i'm playing one of those games i'm not quite sure what i need to upgrade and like how i need to focus my character this game seems like there's still like an upgrade trees there's still different weapons that you can do but it seemed much more free to experiment and instead of experimenting with like what you're upgrading level wise you're experimenting with your weapons and how you're using your weapons and things like that plus other mechanics and stuff um i would say that I think I talked about this a little bit last week. I would say that there's a little bit too much yeah. um, customization options to the point where, like, I don't know, like, am I tinkering with the right thing? You know, like, like it felt like there are too many control variables uh, in my experiments, you know, to know, like, if I'm doing something right or not. That said, I do think that um, it guides you down a pretty clear path as to the sort of play styles that are available to you. It's just, like melee weapons you know mm-hmm. there's no like really like long range options yeah you have some with your legion arm which is like a prosthetic tool that can be like switched in and out but um for the most part like i don't feel really stuck thinking about my build and i only ever ran into those sort of like mechanical like overload options when i was like really taking a step back and trying to figure out like what I should be doing to overcome a specific problem that I was having. You know what I mean? But that those moments are pretty rare for the most part. I was figuring it out pretty much on my own. Is there a comparison you can make between those mechanics and Liza P with armored core? Um, yes, but I would say that armored core makes it a lot easier to change stuff out and get sort of right back into the action. I know that, that I had sort of complained about that when I first started playing, but I didn't realize that there was the option to do that upon death. Like when you die, you can just straight up like in re- armored core. Re- yeah. In armored core. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you can just respec, uh, not respec, but like, like shift in and out the things that you have. You, you can't like shop for new stuff, but you can like just change out like your equipment um, based on like what you have like currently in your garage. Um, so I was, I was incorrect about that when, when we were initially talking about it. Um, so it is pretty simple to, to get right back into it after changing things out. Whereas in lies of P like depending on what you want to change, like you, you might have to like go all the way back to the, the hub world and, and deal with like two different loading screens. You know what I mean? To, to get, to whatever you want to level up and back. 
Um, that said, like if you're trying to like switch your weapons out, like that can be done at like bonfires and stuff like that. But P- um, Peter, like we're in the next gen. We don't have loading screens anymore. You remember all of that. Like we're done with loading screens. I've never seen another one since I've booted up my next gen consoles. But, so like, here's the thing though. You're like saying that and like, I'm not trying to say like like loading loading times are definitely like way down, right? Um, but like I would say on a whole, like especially compared to last gen, and I think like we might not necessarily notice it just like thinking about it, but I think if you were to plug in your PlayStation 4, you'd notice. Yeah, j- yeah, you jump know. out a window. <laughs> um, but like, like I think that something that has gone a little underappreciated maybe with this generation is like yeah you can have shorter loading times but if you are doing a lot of loading you are going to notice them so like for Liza P to level up your character you can't do it at a bonfire you have to go back to the hub world and so you do notice those load times uh so it's it, to me it's about like having properly placed load times you know it's mm-hmm. to really make the experience better but yeah. I'm liking it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this game. You also said something you played for how long so far? Oh, 15 hours. I think I, I heard it's a significantly longer game than that. Um, it is a significantly longer game. Than um, that. And we sh- we should have known when you saw the skill tree. Um, it's like the moment in Last of Us Part Two when you when you upgrade Abby for the first time and you're like, oh shit, this is not this is not an interstitial. This is. Um. Okay. I'll say this. So. The average uh, main story time, uh, this is one person pulled. So uh, this is on how long to beat. Um, so, you know, who who's to say? Um, but 17 and a half hours, main plus sides is 33 and a half hours. Um, completionist is not submitted yet. I guess that makes sense because the game isn't out until tomorrow officially. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Um, um, I think it's like, I think like early access, people have an early access or something, but. I, I mean, um, I, I heard like uh, people are saying it was like 40 hours. Am I crazy? I thought I saw, I think Blessing from Kind of Funny said something like that about his time spent with it. Um, and he's, I could, I could he's good at games. It. Yeah. I, I, like I could see it. Um, I'm, but I'm liking it uh, a fair amount. So just, just really quick, I got to bring this up again. I am on How Long to Beat, and they have Eliza P. Guide powered by IG and Wiki Guys. So I guess How Long to Beat's associated with. Um, yeah, it's owned by Zip okay. Davis. So these are the guides that IGN has. I'm going to read them to you. Walkthrough, yep. bosses, yep. weapons, what is the best combat style, all truth and lie options, list of legion arms, P organ upgrades, tips and tricks, achievements, and trophy guides. What doesn't belong there, Peter? You're talking about the P organ? Oh, yeah, you got you got, you got, to, you got to upgrade that P organ, you know? Why would they call it that? I, I, they have to know. <laughs> Like they have to know that we're like there are there are people with some like deep rooted adolescent parts of their brain that is not quite no, developed no, correctly. Justin, no, Justin, that is not like I know you and I are exceptions because we're children. Um, but like everyone is going to read P organ and think that it is just shorthand for penis. I mean, well, or I'm, just like your P organ. It is the organ you use to pee. You know what? I am a teacher. I have a way to get some evidence. I'll, all my classes tomorrow, I will be like in a Google form. What do you think P organ means? And see how no, that officer, goes. No, officer, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's for my video game podcast. <laughs> it's being fucking shoved into a squad car. Um, Liza P, though, I am enjoying it uh, thoroughly. Uh, I have uh, not played a ton since we last talked. Uh, I got to a, a sort of a gang boss um that that i'm excited to give a, a few more tra- uh, cracks at before i 
think I can overcome it. Uh, but, um, when you say a gang boss, like you're fighting one guy and then like two other guys show up. That oh, you gotta fight okay, all at the same okay, time. okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, um, but also, and and we we've said this sort of uh, as long as we've been talking about Liza P. It's on Game Pass, so. Um, it's pretty easy to recommend taking a look at, even if you are sort of like, especially if you're like sort of on the fence. Yeah, absolutely. I will be checking this out once I beat Starfield. Never. I want to talk about Starfield. We'll talk about it in a bit, but <laughs> I got, I got <laughs> some on thoughts list. on Starfield. Put on the list. Put on the list. Uh, next game here, Mortal Kombat 1, scoring an 86 on the PS5, an 88 on the Xbox Series X. Not scored on the Nintendo Switch, not scored on the PC, although it is available on both consoles. Justin, this seems to be a super solid entry in the Mortal Kombat series. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I'm not, I can't say I'm shocked. I mean, uh, I think this looked like a good game. I'm always a fan of this is a, what, NetherRealm, correct? Not NetherRealm. Yep. Is it NetherRealm? Yeah, yeah, NetherRealm. Always a fan of their fighters. I prefer the Injustice games over Mortal Kombat, but. Um, I think this game looks like it really took an interesting soft reboot step in a way that I think is really cool. Yeah, I uh, don't know a lot about Mortal Kombat just because I'm not really a. Um, I'm just not Nerd. really a like not a fighting game fan necessarily. Geek. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it seems like this is a this is Masochist. a pretty pretty big one here. Um, I will say this, people are, people are talking a lot about this, um, switch port. I saw a tweet that was basically like, Hey, how did that mortal Kombat switch port go? Uh, and it, it's pretty hysterical. Basically, um, have you, have you seen any of these images? Justin? I see them now. Go ahead and, and if you're a curious listener, do a quick search for Mortal Kombat 1 Switch uh, and you will see a lot of uh, sort of like comparison shots. Justin, let me pop a better one in for you uh, into our chat here. Um, basically, it, it seems as if like a lot of the things it, like like a lot of the character models just sort of like did not get facial animation like thrown into <laughs> I'm looking at these screenshots, man. Like they, like the, the the facial animation is like either like way dumbed down or like it's it, it just reduced to the point where like it's not. What like do you know what I'm trying to say here? Like like it is it is the detail is like significantly less um, to the point where it's pretty fucking hysterical um, based on just like how blank these expressions are and like the eyes are all like really wide and like unseeing. Um. So uh, some people, Switch fans, are saying that this is not, this is no good. That this is not like super acceptable. Uh, what what do you think about this? I mean, I don't. I'm always not never a graphic snob. Does the game play well? Um, because if it plays I'm well, sure. I think I'm pretty impressed that it can. Um, yes, it looks significantly worse, but like at a certain point, like having this portably in a place that you could just play it on your Switch, um, as long as it's playable, I think that's cool. I think to me, this looks like I'm no graphics programmer over here. I'm no game developer. This seems like they put actually effort into making this thing run on the switch, like removing key features to the actual like character models and stuff like that, like eyelids. 
Yeah, so on um, Metacritic here, there's one critic review for the Switch version from Nintendo Life. Let me redo this um, this excerpt here. This is It, it scored a 4 out mm. of 10. Mortal Kombat 1 on Nintendo, uh, on Nintendo Switch manages to deliver this superb game's story and towers mode in a state that's playable, but only if you've got plenty of patience. There are frame rate issues, big resolution dips, input and timing problems related to performance drops, missing content, game-breaking bugs in invasion mode, long loading times, and unresponsive menus. If you are a huge Mortal Kombat fan whose only option is Switch, you may be able to press through all of this. However, if you have any other option, we suggest you stay far away from this one for now. So that's so it, it seems like it is not just a, a no. graphical yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like there's a lot. Um, interesting choice. I, I mean, I, I, I get it, like, to get it in more people's hands, but... You're you're releasing a subpar product, almost hoping that people are going to accidentally buy this or buy this, assuming it's going to be this brand new game. And it's like a horrible version of it. I can't believe that this is good for the brand of Mortal Kombat. No, and it, it, it brings like it asks a lot of questions about like, is this like deceptive marketing? You know what I mean? Because like if you are if you have a switch and you see all the trailers like the trailers for this game are not going to use the switch version you know what i mean like like none of the promotional material is going to show what the switch version looks like so is like it being marketed incorrectly uh, like i might argue yes a little bit on switch you know what i mean yeah. unless like it is explicitly saying like in the in the corner like this is ps5 gameplay or this is a capture on pc or whatever you know yeah um so so that's a little little weird um uh, I don't know. I, I, I It's impressive that they're even trying. And I think part of this, I always say, I'm sure they're in the back of their minds. It's not so much about getting sales. I'm going to assume positive intent for a company like this. Um, I'm going to assume they're trying to get it to work on the hardware. And I'm yeah. sure at a certain point in development, they're like, this ain't working. I guess we're going to release it anyway. We already put the work and time into this. Because as I said before, that is not a simple port. That is not a simple downgrade like they made choices in order to make this run even not great on another system so they probably started at a certain point they're like oh we'll just put it out there i'm sure we can make some of this back if people buy it which again i that way i said that makes it sound bad so this sucks (laughs) yep i I think plain and simple it is uh kind of sucky which which you know uh is is unfortunate especially for a game that seems to be doing uh so well everywhere else but hey kind of um, sucky that that would be a good like offshoot series for kind of funny and they just like see how like many things they can put in their mouths like nintendo switches <laughs> just <laughs> i got nothing <laughs> for sure sure man um is is omni man in this one is that is omni man peacemaker uh, and uh what's his name that's like the announced dlc which is what i hate about fighting games when it's like well you got to get this battle pass in order sure. to get these characters um i always feel like i'm the kind of person who I have the skill of someone who needs to play when the game first comes out when all the, the bad people are playing, like the casuals like me. As everyone's like like figuring it out too, yeah. But I only have the wallet, like the mental, like the fortitude to buy it once it's cheap with all the DLC to it, so. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, Invincible Season 2, when? Give it to me. Soon, right? Next year? I mean, yeah, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to be this year, right? Later yeah. this year? Yeah. I've, I've been reading the comic and... Where um, are you in it? Are you past where the series I, is? I'm I'm far far past where the series is. Um, 
I'm about two thirds to three quarters of the way through the first compendium. Okay. One of three. Okay. Um, I've gotten to some pretty major twists that I did not see coming, but it's, it's good. I, again, I haven't read yeah, it all. It's really good. I've seen the first season and then I've just watched all the video spoilers and it is, I'm, I'm happy. It is quite good. Happy quite, to, quite happy good. Happy to be a part good. of it. Um, last game in the Metacritic roundup here is Gunbrella. This is a Devolver digital game. You have a um, umbrella that's a gun. No. I think it, I think enough said from the, for, for that, right? No. Um, I don't know. This this game looks charming as hell and also very fun. Uh, I'm a fan of the Devolver digital um, catalog. This is uh, scored a 78 on Switch and an 82 on PC. Um, this is something that I am going to maybe wait a little bit on. Uh, I, just there's so much else to be playing right now. But um, this looks like a, a ton of fun. I don't know about you. Uh, how do you feel about this? Uh, I mean, the game looks like a game that would be a good one of those games. I just don't know. Again, as you said, there's so many other things that I have to play right now that I don't foresee me downloading this immediately. But your boy's happy he drafted it on his fantasy critic. Though, is it going to be enough? That's the real question. It's going to be down. It's going to be a nail biter down to the wire. Yeah, I have at this point, I think, sort of conceded to to my loss here um, for the, for, hey, the, for hey, our listen. fantasy team. Are you, but, are you looking at the camera? Yeah, what's up? I'll trade you Disney Illusion Island for Legend of Zelda. Straight up. Can we, can we do that? <laughs> to, to, secure, to secure a hitbox win are we allowed to do i mean that? i i don't there's no is there a rule against it um i don't not uh, not that any of our friends listen to this podcast who are no. trying to play against us but like i'm just saying no. it might I'll, I'll i'll give you my answer off air so if you see a big point shift <laughs> i wonder why um i accidentally do the know. wrong thing yeah. and i give you resident evil 4 and i take um uh, Redfall. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fucking cheat yourself on the foot here. Um, but Gunbrella, though, uh, I, I did hear something about it. was compared to Celeste. Uh, one of the reviews talked about how it, it's like Celeste, but with guns, essentially, which, like, I really liked Celeste. Uh, that, it was early days of the show. I think we were talking about Google Stadia. Yeah, um, yeah. And and like I had never played it before, and I was like, is, "This game is like amazing." <laughs> so I was like, "No one's no one's talking about the Celeste game." You guys hear about Celeste? Um, little little known indie platformer because um, this game has a lot of those sor- sort of similar like platforming challenges. But um, you know, you have an umbrella that shoots bullets, which is is very fun um, and can make for some some fun little uh, uh, platforming sections as well. The but, thing that that made me stay with uh, Celeste is the story. So, yeah, uh, not that I didn't like the gameplay, but like just the story itself is just kind of like what got me kind of going through because I thought it was done really well. And even the gameplay was associated with that, like getting over the proverbial hill of it. Yeah. Um, So I would hope Gunbrella has a little bit of a cute story. And just based on some of the videos I've seen of it, it looks like it it might have some little fun humor to it. I mean, it's a Gunbrella. What are you, the penguin? Uh, Like, that just sounds so fun. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, Danny DeVito. Um, that movie scared me really bad as a kid. Yeah, it did. It still does today, just because of like this is what Batman used to be. This is what people think Batman is, huh? It it scared me so bad. Um, because the Penguin was freaky. Uh, Catwoman was also freaky, and um, that wasn't the that wasn't the nipple one, right? That was George Clooney's had the nipples. Correct. That was that was the George Clooney nipple one. Thought that was okay. Um, it was the 80s, right? I mean, um, are, is the 80s? Was it the 90s? 
are the eighties known for nipples? I, I missed that memo. <laughs> Um, Why don't you type that into the internet? Oh, 1997. That was actually way too late. Oh no, then you know you're right. The 90s were were all about the nipples. You're right. So yeah, well, excuse me. Yes, that is that is very much uh, the case. And wearing your clothes backwards, like the criss like crisscross. Is that in Batman and Robin? No, I just try to pull a 90s reference. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if crisscross was the 90s, but I I feel like to me that's. Jinko jeans. Oh man, to this day I still have a pair. Board shorts. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, capris. Mm. Why am I only going with pants? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> Just... think of I can't think of a single shirt. Uh, oh, like Guy Fieri, like is straight out of the nineties with his outfits. Oh yeah, with the with the tips, the frosted, frosted tips. tips. I saw frosted tips in the wild this week, by the way. How'd that go? I was gonna take a picture, and then I was like, "That's a human being. <laughs> That's a human being whose space I'm going to respect." Um, because I wouldn't like that. <laughs> Turns out it was a porcupine. You couldn't even tell. It was like not even a human. Dude, I was standing in line behind Shadow the fucking Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did want frosted tips when I was younger. Um, at one sure. point, I thought I'd get them. I never did. And I wish I did because everyone thinks, all, like my students have this running thing that I had frosted tips. And it's frustrating because they'll show me a yearbook photo, because back in my day, I'm so old, our yearbook photos were in black and white. There's a photo of me in black and white, and they're like, you have frosted tips? And I was like, no, I don't. And they're like, yeah, you simply, do. And then not. I'll show them the, the colored picture that my mommy got for me, and it's not frosted tips. And I'm like, I never had frosted tips. But I, what Can I, I tell you something, yeah, Justin? Yeah. You would have looked great with them. That's what I'm saying. I think I like like In retrospect, I'm glad I didn't get them, because then I can be, the high, the, be on the high ground here. But honestly, yeah. frosted tips, I kind of... Kind of didn't want did them. Did you see sync is back? I did. I did. That's uh, uh, already saving for that concert. If we yeah, thought it was hard to get Taylor Swift tickets, sync. Uh, you think they're going to have any sort of cultural impact now? sync. Still to this day. People my age with disposable income and like okay, that's nostalgia. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. You're right. You're right. And I'm sure they're not going to tour like a thousand different shows like Taylor Swift did. Yeah, that's fair. So there's less of them and more people who are just like, I mean, I don't know the full discography for a lot of people. Um, in sync. Oh, you do. You got the whole. Oh, I could. I all built that out, man. Um, it made me really happy. So like, Taylor Swift announced like, "Hey, I'm doing a movie version. Like, I'm doing like a theatrical like eras tour. I don't know if it's like a documentary. Or what the fuck? Um, <laughs> have you seen this? You know it's it's like her concert, but like they do it nice. Yeah, but they like like filmed it, yeah. you know, so that like, you know, if you couldn't get tickets, like you could see it in theaters. Yeah. And so my girlfriend was really excited. And she's like, will you go with me? And I was like, absolutely. I like you've gone with me to so many movies. Um, and then uh, your lovely wife hit up Elena and they're going to go together. <laughs> a very similar and thing. I, I said to her what she said to me when you and I went and saw John Wick together, where she's like, I'm glad you have friends. who yeah. will go with Yeah, I would have gone. I would have gone. I would have supported, but sure. like I didn't need to. You know what I mean? Like yes. it, that wasn't like I, I got to. I, got, I need to do it. But yeah. But it's also the sort of thing where like I'm so glad that they will get to go with people who get it. Yep. And like we'll know. You know what I mean? And like when like they're walking out, we'll be able to talk about it. Whereas like I just would have no. I wouldn't have nothing to say. But like I would not be able to appreciate it in the way that that um oh yeah obviously and we and we took someone's seat we'd have we'd we'd had someone's seat exactly right like yeah it's gonna be sold the fucking out (laughs) i'm sure um anyway justin i want to talk about the two games that i played this week very briefly i did play some sea of stars like i actually played some of the game i'm I'm about three hours into it (laughs) okay 
It's good. Okay, the way you were saying that, I'm like, I actually forced myself to do it. Um, no, it's just like like getting through like the the opening of just like everyone's talking and like I just don't want to read right now. I just want to play games. Like, oh, I see the next good. game on your list will be interesting to talk about then. But <laughs> it's good. The combat's really fun. The areas are really well designed. Um, the boss fights are great. I, I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, I am gonna hope to beat it this year. Um, but if I don't, I just know that it's not you, Sea of Stars. It's me. You know, it's no, it's it's there are so many games out that are quality that I honestly think they're gonna be like 10 quality games this year that I'm not gonna be able to play or beat. And it's th- like, I'm like, I'm like, I want to play Baldur's Gate. So when the bad, fuck am I gonna so play this bad, game? so bad. When am I gonna play this? Like, I want to devote time to like watch it and like think about it and have fun. Yeah, I mean, you can't play Baldur's Gate anyway because you're in the middle of a Witcher playthrough. Witcher 3? You know you know how much I love The Witcher 3, yeah, Geralt of Rivia. You, you keep saying there's no one that is quite the like The Witcher of Blaviken. Ooh, that's a... F- you know, speaking of Bimini, Bimini and Blaviken, <laughs> those names right there. I saw, I'll say this. I saw I saw Mr. Henry Cavill become The Butcher of Blaviken oh. uh, in the first episode of the series. That's um, pretty good. Which I think might be the best episode of that whole <laughs> that whole show. The series is better. The first episode, the first season is better if you watch it twice because then it makes fucking sense. <laughs> like, I don't oh, know. because like they, they tell you like they don't say like, hey, there are sort of like different times yeah. going on. And like, I'm not trying to be one of those people who's like media illiterate. Like, I, I, I think about the things I watch and, and spend time with. But like, guys, <laughs> like, I <laughs> like put like a, like a like a title card at the beginning being or like in active the past. lore active lore active lore exactly take a note out of final fantasy 16's yeah. book uh we'll talk about that in a minute here <laughs> uh, but then the other game i've been playing is starfield and dude like like it's kind of breaking my heart because like it's boring as shit what the fuck <laughs> it, and not in a way not in a way that like i can appreciate that i'm like oh wow they're really making like it, they didn't make a dumb like shooter game they made like a game where it's like about exploration it's just boring like so I've been playing it for like two hours, three hours, and like I haven't done anything fun yet. So do you know how like two things can be true at the same time? Always, of course. So I am with you on this. I've tried to play this game for, I think my counter says four or five hours. Most of that's probably a pause screen that I've given up on. Um, sure. But it's just very slow to me, and it's hard. There's so much like I need to get invested in the world. I need to know like what's going on a little bit with some of these characters and these factions and stuff like that. This game reminds me and i know you love this game i know you do and this is gonna hurt you for me to say this Uh oh this reminds me so much of uh, what's the name of that fucking game i can't think I, the the one that don't it, know. They, they was the mod of skyrim the mod of skyrim that they turned into a full game full game mod of Skyrim. oh uh, the lost city yeah this reminds me of playing the lost the forgotten city. city the forgotten, the forgotten city. city yeah forgotten city um, and I know you love that. That was on your game of the year. But like when yeah, I was I, playing I that game, it was just so much reading. And I think the yes. one thing about that game is that it was an interesting conceit with the time loop aspect of it. Yeah. But this is just that, except not as dense. Well, it's it's like, I, I know what you're saying, but like to me, the difference is like, the point of the forgotten city was to like really get invested in the characters in the world 
and like I guess that is what they're trying to do with Sky Starfield as well. But like they're also trying to make it like an action shooter game and like an exciting space combat game. But like the the combat I don't think works really well. Like I, I don't think it's as snappy. Like Fallout combat works so well because the first person shooting in those games is not good. But they said, well, what if you just got to not do that? Yeah. <laughs> what if you got yeah. to do the Vats thing? Which I think is a cool way to do it, right? Um, and and like, but this doesn't have that, and, and I don't think the combat's great. Um, and, and like the traversing the world is like really unfun. You just like you watch a cutscene of your ship flying into outer space, and then when you get to outer space, you open a menu and you click on the solar system you want to go to, and then you watch a cutscene of your ship flying there. And then now you spawn in the solar system. Okay, now you want to fly to the planet? Open the menu again. You could fly there. What do you got? Six hours on, on your hands? <laughs> like, it, it, it's just, like, it's breaking my heart. Because, like, I was so excited for this. And then I've just been, like, sitting here, like, oh, oh no, this is bad. They had their... Did you get to the one... Like, have you been doing, doing the main quest at all? I'm currently in a museum right now trying to learn about what happened, but it's, like, homework for me to listen to it. Are Like, are you in, like, at the very beginning with the at, at Constellation? or? Yeah, I'm at Constellation. I just, uh, I am in the, the the basement of the, like, whatever the Rangers are, um, getting the orientation. Okay, so I think you're probably a little bit further than me. Okay. Because, like, I met up with, the constellation and they like sent me out to go find some guy. And, um, there was this like, there's like, it, it, this is like just like part of the main quest. Like I imagine that you all like have experienced this. Like you end up flying in space after visiting Mars and they're like, you got to go pick up this beacon. And they're like, it, and you got to do like, you got to fly stealthily. So like turn your shields off, turn your guns off and then fly towards this beacon it's 5,000 meters away from you. Hmm. And I'm just watching my ship fly forward for three minutes. Hmm. Nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. I get there. I get the beacon. Hmm. I fast travel away hmm. to where the beacon says. And it's just like, what is it? Like this, what was that supposed to be? Yeah. What was I supposed to do with that? Well, I mean, have you been in space before? Because I have. And when I'm in space, time just is different up there. Sure. Like, it, it just feels like you're on an empty beach surrounded by friends and family. and Now, see, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, so this game is like that. Do you, so you like it like that? You I, lo- like it? I love it. Just the relaxing, just like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to this guy talk and zone out and think about other things. Think about... Or I, for- I forgot how, like, like Bethesda games, you just spend so much time in the menus. The menus suck. They're all terrible. And like, I'm just picking up random shit. And then it's like, you can't sprint. All right. Can't run anymore. Hot take here. Why is, why is Skyrim better than this? Uh, I I would say the, like the game is better. (laughs) I mean, like, like, like the things you were doing moment to moment are more interesting than this. The, like, on top of that, you are not required unless you're using like a bow and arrow. You are not required to, like loot every single thing you find for ammunition. Um, whereas like, I imagine this will get better as the game goes on. And as you like end up with like, like over like, like finding a lot of stuff, but like every single person I kill, I have to search and I have to like decipher what is that thing that they have? Like, 
because you just pick up like whatever is on their person and you're like, oh, I just picked up a six pound gun. Okay, well, now I got to open the menu, got to find that gun, got to drop it on the ground. Whereas in Skyrim, if you kill a guy and you're looting his body, like even though this might take a little bit longer, it pulls up the menu and you see the like an image of what the item is. So there's no question about like what you are looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I, I guess to a point. I just I, I, I think I'm just looking that the game doesn't feel that dissimilar to the other games. The thing that is dissimilar is that this is not interesting space. And, and well, that's the other thing too, is like, like the exploration in Skyrim. Yeah. You're just walking, but like there's stuff to see, like you're going to run into people when you're walking around. Like sometimes you'll run into quests that are just happening. And like, yeah, that kind of happens in Starfield as you like fly around, but like, it's just it's just menus and menus and menus and like nothing interesting happens in between those menus and like it just feels so clunky and like the moment that you do get control while you're flying it's a disruption of the menus and i just wish it would have just taken me to the one place but you know what i mean like don't make me watch two cutscenes and have to open menus twice let me open the menu one time and watch one cutscene of me flying away yeah I'm I'm upset. Like like I'm gonna play more of it because I want to see it a little bit more. And and um, also it's my job. But like like I am am pretty disappointed in in how bare bones this game is. But yeah, I mean it'll be from all things I hear about it. The more you play, the better it gets because you get more invested. I think sure. Um, so I like I think this goes with a lot of RPGs. You it's hard to recommend a game that you have to play. 20 hours before it gets good yes and even then it seems like it's a little bit like well you can make your own fun here and there but i haven't found it yet i haven't found the fun but, in starfield but that was my problem with uh fallout 4 though where it was like you make the fun it's whatever you want to do i'm like but i'm like but i put you in my xbox i still think <laughs> fallout the, the, 4 I, th- I think the the basic quest was interesting enough for me in fallout 4 yeah yeah, I agree. I, like, agree. It, I mean, on a very simple level, like it's interesting. This one, it's like alien artifact. There's aliens out there, right? Okay, let's find them. But you're you're so right, though. I mean, and like with Skyrim and with uh, 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 this game, like or Fallout Four. Sorry, it's like the pitch of what the story is is so simple. In Fallout Four, you're trying to find your son. Yep. Um, Skyrim is a little bit more complicated. It was like, but it was like, you are a dragonborn. What does that mean? Discover, you know, what that means. Yeah. Whereas like this one, this one, it's like you got dizzy and fell over after you you touched a rock. (laughs) What's up with that? I've been there. (laughs) It's relatable to me. I don't know about you. I mean, yeah, but last time I touched a rock, I just passed out. Hopefully I have more time to play it. Um, (laughs) since I'm not moving anymore and I'm, I'm at home. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see, um, how I feel as, as I play more, but you want to talk about the news, Justin? Let's do it. Nintendo on what? Like a Tuesday said, Hey, tune in tomorrow. We've got a Nintendo direct for you. (laughs) And then PlayStation that same day was like, Oh, and there's a, there's a PlayStation, uh, state of play tomorrow. And then Microsoft Uh, was like, well, we got Starfield. (laughs) That's that's all you need, Microsoft. That's all you need for now. Um, you're having a good you're having a good month for Game Pass, Starfield, and um, Liza P. Come on, it's yeah, good stuff. Right get there. your P organ all excited. And it is, Justin, and it is. But um, for the Nintendo Direct that happened, uh, pretty significant 
uh, uh, direct in September. September is usually some heavy hitting stuff, but uh, this is pretty Mario heavy, which makes sense uh, given the fact that I think the Mario movie is uh, 20, one of 2023's biggest, highest grossing films. Um, but uh, let me hit you with some of these big headlines. I want to hear what you think. We got a Paper Mario Thousand Year Door remaster coming in uh, 2024. It seems like the game is going to stay mostly the same, um, but they are going to update those graphics. Justin, what do you think about that? Oh, I got a paper cut. Ooh, it hurts. I don't know if I want to play it because I have it on Nintendo Switch Online. Ooh, it hurt. Is it on? It's not on Nintendo Switch Online. The original one is. Paper Mario Thousand Year Door? Oh, wait. No, this is different. Wait, this is coming out when? This is the GameCube one. See, this is how dumb I am. I don't even fucking know the difference. This is the sequel. Uh, this is, uh, I'm not kidding, probably one of the best games ever made. Oh, okay. So uh, the, the writing in this game is so witty. It is so smart. It is so fucking good. So th- to be clear, this is not a remake remaster. It's, just, it's, it's not remake. It's just a remaster. Or is it a remake? Let's play this game again because I <sighs> don't even fucking know anymore. Like, can I draft um, this next year is the question. I'm going to say yes. Okay, cool. Uh, it looks great. I am so excited. I love this game. This is, it's so good. Um, well, I, is this a remaster or remake? I, I don't know. I just got to say, I'm really glad I didn't gloat about it getting delayed to 2024 because I was. Like, that's where I was going to go with this. Wait, what do you mean? For Fantasy Critic. Like, oh, I, you could I, probably take this. But I thought I this, think. I thought this was the one that, like, I thought this was going to be on like released this year oh i see i see that's super mario rpg right that is super mario rpg which is coming this year it is right yeah Yeah. is that a 2d art style am i just am i just that tired right now do all mario 2d art style the super mario rpg uh i don't think so am i 3d i think i'm just tired i'm sorry i messed this whole, whole thing up um let's i still got a paper cut though so I'm excited for for a thousand year door. I like. I truly cannot wait. You gonna play it? Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on when it comes out. <laughs> and I I would like to. It's really good. Um, uh, I I love this game, and I never finished it as mm. a kid. I got to the final boss, and I couldn't beat it. Um, so yes, I would I would very much like to to revisit this. Uh, next up, we got a remake of Mario vs Donkey Kong. This was a Game Boy Advance puzzle game. Um, if you remember, they, they did a whole series of these. I think a lot of them were handhelds, um, but this is like a, a total, total remake. The graphics are totally updated. Um, this is also coming in 2024 um, in February. It's February 16th is its release date. We did not get a release date for um, uh, Thousand Year Door, but um, I don't know. I, I've never played any of these, these Mario versus Donkey Kong games. It's like setting... Um, like traps in motion, isn't it? No, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. It's where you've got like all these like wind up toys and, and you set them to to go take out Donkey Kong and, and so stuff like that. When I was a kid, um, it was Donkey, you know, the Donkey Kong game, like the old one with a little jump man. And you're like going over. This, yeah, boom, yeah. Boom. So I was playing that for the Game Boy, the Game Boy. And then you get past the, the end of it. And then all of a sudden you're taken into this like open world. And like you have these little like maps that you have to like go through. And 
I was so shocked by this game, and it was a Mario versus Donkey Kong kind of game that kind of mm-hmm. opened up, and it had the same thing where you had to get to the end of the level and do all this other stuff. Um, so I've seen games like this before. I can't say I'm excited for it because I don't think Mario is my shit to begin with. Um, yeah. But I, this game looks cool. I love the animation to it. It looks interesting. Yeah, I would agree. Um, about it also not being my thing, but I know that I'm sure there are people who are very excited just because like, this is one of those series that like Nintendo just hasn't done for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That it, it, And I imagine that a lot of people were just like having to accept like, okay, we're probably never getting another one of these. And to my understanding is that they are very good. Um, I, they, I'm not running like racing out to try this when it comes out, but um, I'm happy to see that it is for those fans. Um, and then next Mario game here, we've got, we saw more of the super Mario RPG, um, this is yet yeah, coming out November 17th. So we've still got a little while until then, but, um, for Mario RPG fans, um, this was a nice little taste, uh, showing off those new and improved graphics and all that. Um, and then, uh, we finally got a, we got a name for this princess peach game. It's called princess peach showtime, um, where, uh, you play as princess peach and the game kind of, uh, like the, the mechanics kind of change up depending on what is happening in the play. Um, and like what, uh, like like it all changes depending on like what the set is essentially, uh, and and Peach gets fun little new outfits. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems kind of cute, uh, and also I like kind of it leans into that homage of like Mario being um, a play. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, Super Mario Two. Yep, and uh, it, like Paper Mario does that too, where all the battles take place in a theater. Um, which, which is very fun. Like the curtain comes up and all that. So, uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It, it looks interesting enough and it's coming out what next year, uh, March 22nd, 2024. So I'm just sitting in my, in my, um, classroom and I get a text message from my wife and it's a TikTok, which is a frequent thing that we do. And sure. it was this trailer and she said, this was made for me, <laughs> which to be honest, to like see something like that, I was shocked to, to like, kind of like see that. But um, interesting also this was the day of the direct that this like popped up on her feed but it does look like qu- pretty interesting and fun um, it has a little bit of the vibes of like I know it's not but it reminds me a little bit of Super Mario Galaxy with your little like flower thing that like you're like swinging around I wonder yeah. if there are going to be like co-op elements to it I don't know if I saw anything like that but um, it could be pretty interesting and it looks like this is a pretty unique this is almost like Kirby meets uh, Mario almost in terms of yeah, like with your powers and things that you have. And and Peach had a game on the DS. Do you remember this? Mm-mm. <sighs> okay, well now I gotta look this up. Um so it was just called Super Princess Peach, so that's easy. Super um, but it was Princess like a platformer. Peach. Uh it was just like a platformer, and it it, it was not particularly unique or memorable. Um but like this new one seems like it is really leaning into the things that kind of make her fun and make her interesting and unique. So um, I am excited to to see this sort of as we get closer. Where, where's my um, Waluigi standalone game, man? Ah, agreed. When's that happening? Um, so this is a pretty uh, uh, Nintendo. Uh, uh, sorry, Mario heavy direct. Um, is there anything else that caught your eye here? The only thing for me that did uh, there's two things. Uh, thing one is Trombone Champ is coming, and that's very exciting. Uh, not coming, it's here. It's just on Switch now, and you can use the Joy-Cons to play the trombone, which is very fun. Uh, and then um, there's a Spy Family game that sounds like interesting enough. It's 
uh, it's it's called Spy Anya or Spy X Anya Operations Memory Operation Memories, and um, you just go around building a, a little. It's like a life sim game, um, which sounds kind of cute because uh, Spy Family is, believe it or not, extremely cute. That's the one with the cute little dog, right? There is a dog in it. Yes. Yeah, it's like a little white, do- big white dog or something like that. Yep. People have referenced that Archie's like that dog, and I don't believe it. Um, um, the dog is a telepath if that does anything for you. Yeah, Archie keeps shouting cheese to me right now. He's been shouting it to me for the last, or, like, you know, five years. He's not a telepath. He's He can see the future, I think. Archie sees the future, and there's cheese in it. Yes, yeah, that is very true. Cheese future. Um, Mario Kart Booster came out. I can finally be Diddy Kong and oh, yeah. Funky Kong. Um, Funky Kong's music is always, like, bopping in video games, so hopefully they get a couple of those tracks in there. I mean, any of the uh, uh, Donkey Kong music is, like, awesome. You know my affinity sure. for that. Um, and Diddy Kong I like. Weird choice, though, with Peachette, right? Like, I feel like they were trying to get Bowsette in there, and then they're like, mm, I don't know if that's happening. Let's just change Bow to Peach and then go with Who's it. Who's Peachette? Peachette's, like, uh, Princess Peach mixed with a toad. I'm I'm watching this trailer here. Let's see. You got Pauline. I know mm-hmm. she's showing up. Yep, yep. Um, and then are we gonna get Peachette here? Yeah, Peachette's there. Is is Peachette like? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like it's like. What wh- is she from? Uh, she's from the Mushroom Kingdom. Okay, asked and answered, I suppose. <laughs> you didn't see her in the Mario movie. Was she in it? Yeah, like, I genuinely am asking. No, no, <laughs> I, no I don't it? think so. Okay. It's just, it's just an, uh, to me, no offense, uninspired choice. You could have done, done Bowsette and then everyone would have been happy. But Bowsette is not a real character, is she? Close your eyes. Think about it. See if she's real. I mean, I just did it. Okay. Uh, no, let me just say, no, she's not. What are you looking quick at? Google search. What are you looking at right now? Google search. Why are you not afraid to, to Google that, but other things you're afraid to Google? Because I can very easily... Uh, justify what this is. <laughs> <laughs> it was Bowser and in, in a yeah, fan made. I feel like um, I mean, I feel I I, I honestly feel like you just type yes. in Bowser body pillow and see what you find. I'm not I, see. I'm not going to do that. It doesn't have to be weird. It it, it is weird. A little bit, it is okay. I imagine, I imagine that what I would find there would be kind of weird. Um, but anyway, Peachette, I guess Peachette um, is, is in whatever DLC Mario Kart. Um, um F zero ninety nine is probably the closest I would ever get to playing an F zero game. It's free with Nintendo oh, Switch yeah. Online. Um, but I also feel like it's going to be an. This to me seems like an interesting ninety nine because there's probably more reasons to play. Like I foresee this being a cool. Uh, way to kind of customize your car. I mean, looking at all these, they look so different from each other. Um, and I'm sure there could be like cool ways for you to keep going for it. Because when you're playing like Tetris, like what do you got on Tetris 99? You know what I mean? What do you mean? You're just playing, you're just a block, you're just playing Tetris, right? Like I, to me, that game didn't excite me because interesting. Okay. I don't feel like, yes, it's still like a game that you have to play quickly, but like, I feel like this one you have control over yourself in this race. It's not so random. It's like it's a racing game. I feel like this is the kind of like battle royale racer that I would play. And I think it's a fun little racing game. And have you ever gotten into um, 
Mario Kart Tour. I did when it first came out a little bit. R.I.P. Mario no, Kart Tour. No. But it was like a nice little like one-handed game to do. This is probably not a one-handed game, but I think this is the the best way to get people in F Zero again. And if it does well and people want more F Zero, maybe maybe it uh, will be the the first spark to that Falcon Punch to the face. I think that could definitely be it. I don't know if we also described what this is for anyone who didn't catch the direct. This is uh, it's an F Zero game, but it's it's like at battle royale, like 99 people, like it's like the Mario 35 or Tetris 99 or whatever. Um, yeah, I think like to your point, like this could, was pr- this to me seems like it was probably a pretty low, like, and I, like I'm going to say like low effort, not to say that it is like low quality or like, like something like that, but it seems like it, this was probably pretty simple to create and is a really easy way for them to test the interest in F zero. Yeah. Right. As, as a, franchise um and maybe test out like what pot like future f-zero games could potentially be again not saying that that is a, a like low effort not t- trying to say this was easy to make like you know what i'm trying to say oh yeah yeah like like it's not like not saying like it was just like a cash grab or something like that obviously it's free and it's out right now um for people who have the uh nintendo switch online subscription um but just a, a really easy way for them to test like the waters and say like oh is there interest in f-zero and and like should we be pursuing this? So, um, and then Splatoon three side order also stuck out to me a little bit. Um, I, I mean, I, I did enjoy that game. I beat the single player, kind of got my fill of it. Um, but you know, could always get a side to my main course. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Justin, I do. I certainly do know what you mean. Speaking of which the PlayStation showcase, Oh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, announced some, Resident Evil 4 DLC, Baby Eagle has been secured, the Resident Evil Twitter account (laughs) tweets. The elusive Amber, however, is a different story. The Separate Ways DLC story tells Ada Wong's side of Resident Evil 4's story. Look forward to an additional gameplay trailer on September 18th. Um, So that was uh, today. Um, This is like uh, the the Ada Wong side of RE4. Sorry, we're switching gears to the PlayStation Showcase. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, yeah, it's good. Got it. Um, the original RE4, you unlocked Ada Wong's side of the story after completing the main story. Um, and this is DLC here. Uh, wait, I wait, think wait. They in, also the, added, in the GameCube version or is that DLC? I thought it was in the game. Or it was in the Xbox 360 version. That's for sure. OK. Yeah. I, I think that was added when they released it on other platforms. Oh, OK. OK. Um. Yeah, and, and this is paid, by the way, uh, DLC. It's launching on September 21st, so um, pretty pretty close here. Um, but I think you get to play as Wesker as well, um, or maybe it just might be a skin um, for, for Leon. But um, I don't know. It seems interesting enough. I probably won't pay for it, but uh, I like I liked Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the sin of DLC. Like, even if it's good DLC, it takes a big a big push for me to play a DLC or like a quick release after um, the game comes out for me to play DLC. I'm just not, I don't pick things up again, even like the cyberpunk. I kind of am interested to go back into that world, but also what else can I, I don't have time for this year. And I don't think DLC is the thing that suddenly like, Oh wait, I love uh, cyberpunk. This is the best game ever. I'm so happy. I put tons of hours into that as it is. So I don't know. I haven't even played Resident Evil four, so I don't know if this is going to be the first thing i jump back into but that is on my list to play this year sure no that that is fair um dude just think about like the cyberpunk dlc like i've not touched that game since like that 2.0 launch or whatever it was and like the idea of like having to go in and like 
put all those skill points back into my character like just sound like it hurts it really hurts me yeah yeah but um so there you go uh also in the playstation direct we got uh a new story trailer for avatar frontiers of pandora which is coming out december 7th i'm still on uh on schedule for that which this is actually shaping up to be in my opinion a, a pretty solid looking game um ubisoft games always i think look pretty good in trailers so like i guess we'll see once we get like a little bit more gameplay going on but um i don't know this this at least looks different i don't know like i i know that like people kind of clown on avatar a little bit but like as far as like uh, like video game wise like i don't know this seems interesting enough do you, do you know what i mean yeah, it looked like it was one of those things that I feel like they were making it look a little more epic than the game actually was or more cinematic than the game sure. actually is going oh, to be. a thousand percent. Um, like I could see a lot of things just like clever angles when they're recording like in-game footage and stuff like that. Um, but like I, there's just a couple of moments in it that like kind of give me some red flags. At the very beginning, you have this flashback when there's like this human talking to you and it's like lips aren't moving right. And it just looks a little weird. And then even some of the gameplay just looks like it's trying to do a a port of Halo (laughs) in, like, not a great way. So I... Like a mix between, like, Halo and Far Cry. Yeah, yeah. So I see potential, but I also see some potential yellow flags. I'm not going to say red flags yet. I have no hands-on experience here. I need to see more of the actual gameplay, the moment-to-moment. Like, this game needs a deep dive, but I almost don't think they're going to do a deep dive on it because it probably will scare people away more than just the people who love how pretty Pandora is. And this game does look pretty. I will say that I think the the lack of, like, a big gameplay deep dive, especially for a completely new sort of IP for Ubisoft, does make me a little nervous, especially coming from Ubisoft, a company that is perfectly, has, at least in the past, proven to be perfectly fine with just, like, releasing unfinished games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, like to me, it looks interesting enough, but this would not be something that I personally would go out and buy the day one, you know, especially cause I also like don't have like some great love for avatar. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, um, but so we got that, uh, let's see what else here. Um, Oh, we, we saw a new Spider-Man trailer with, um, a lot of suits in it. They, they said that what there's 64 suits or 60 over 65, um, suits that you'll be able to unlock. Um, that are based off of like movie appearances, comic appearances, all sorts of stuff, um, which just look awesome. Uh, I don't know. Like Spider-Man's awesome. I think we can all agree. Right. Oh, I like, and so just having all these suits. is great. I think that's one of the best parts of that game is that customizable experience. And like, what is the suit you choose for your character? Um, and like, there's so many options. They all look so cool. Now we have two Spider-Mans and an alternate Spider-Man variant. I'm sure there's like three that we're going to be dealing with. So I'm really excited for this game though. The more I see of it, the more I think I know what it's going to be. And I'm less excited. If that makes sense. It's the sort of thing where like, it's not that I'm not excited for it. It's just like, this is a super known quantity for me, you know? And and they recently confirmed like, you know, this is going to be about the same length as the first one. Um, like the mechanics look, look similar, you know, I am sure there are going to be plenty of differences, um, small, like small, like improvements and whatever in the same way that there were plenty of small improvements between the first one and the, the miles Morales. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it, this is not like lighting me on fire, but it is also like, it's nice to know that there's going to be a game that I'm going to enjoy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Coming out later this year. And it, it's almost like one of those things. I, this might be blasphemous. I almost just want to know the story. Like, I truly mean like to watch the story rather than just play the game. 
Oh, I see. Okay. Like, I'm excited for what they could do with this story because I love the remix that they did on the original Spider-Man, the, 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 that version of it. I thought it was a really cool way to kind of mix up the characters, the Mile, how they weaved in Miles Morales' uh, uh, origin story into it. And I love what they did with Doc Ock in the game. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see how they take, they, what they do with Venom, how they kind of like, uh, do they go an Eddie Brock route? Do they completely miss the Eddie Brock story and like go a different route? What are they going to do? I'm interested to see that kind of remixing because I love familiar with a remix on it. Right. It's fun to always see someone, someone else's take on something. Yeah. You know? Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. This will be fun when it comes out yep. in what? October. Yeah. God, Jesus, that's like a month away. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I can't even think about it. Uh, and then the last thing is we got the release date for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, February 29th, 2024. Um, they also confirmed, I don't know if it was here or if this was at a later thing, that um, you are not going to be able to carry your save over from Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, which makes sense. But uh, also, I imagine, sucks for anyone who had like, some really solid endgame loot. But what can you do? I'm, I'm stoked for this game. This is probably my most anticipated game of next year. I'm going to see if I can't play that first one in in between now and then. The just so I can the, get there. The original or the remake? The remake, okay. sorry. Yeah. Um and I think one thing that is really apparent about this game is they go to a lot of locations that are pretty deep in the actual um Final Fantasy VII that I thought they oh, were going to sure. go. I thought they were going to go in a completely different route with the story, and maybe they might. They, they, there still is a chance, and um, I think this game is going to end with a twist on the, I guess, second act finale of the original game, which is the big, I guess, character death. That if you mm-hmm. if you don't know don't look into it but if you if you know a little bit it's like one of the most famous moments in video games of all time yeah so my 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 prediction is that it's going to go pretty similar to what we're expecting and then that's going to be the big change at the very end yeah but okay yeah. interesting you heard I, it here I first be interested to see circle this on the calendar bring it back when the game comes out and i play it and beat it and love you it you got it dude cool Next thing here, uh, Unity. Unity is a game engine, and uh, the company recently made some announcements regarding um, the way that it was going to handle monetization moving forward. And I'm just going to read you this statement uh, posted by Agro Crab. Um, this is the Twitter account for an indie game called Agro Crab, where you play as a crab that fights, I believe, other crabs. Um, it sounds good as hell. Uh, but this this statement, I think, does a really good job summing up um, what the issue was when this was announced uh, and and how it impacts developers and stuff like that. And then we're going to talk about Unity's follow-up to this. So um, the statement reads this. Hey, gamers. today's Today, Unity, the engine we use to make our games, which, by the way, is used in a thousand things. Uh, Unity is, is huge. Um, announced that they'll soon be taking a fee from developers for every copy of the game installed over a certain threshold, regardless of how that copy was obtained. Guess who has a somewhat highly guess who has a somewhat highly anticipated game coming to Xbox Game Pass in 2024. That's right, it's us and a lot of other developers. This means that another Crab's Treasure will be free to install for 20 for the 25 million Game Pass subscribers. If a fraction of those users download our game, 
Unity could take a fee that puts us in enormous that puts an enormous dent into our income and threatens the sustainability of our business. And that's before we even think about sales on other platforms or pirated installs of our game or even multiple installs by the same user. This decision puts us and countless other studios in a position where we might not be able to justify using Unity for our future titles. If these changes aren't rolled back, we'll be heavily considering abandoning our wealth of Unity expertise we've accumulated over the years and starting from scratch in a new engine, which is something we'd rather not do. On behalf of the dev community, we're calling on Unity to reverse the latest in a string of short-sighted decisions that seem to prioritize shareholders over their product's actual users. I fucking hate it here. Agro crab. Um, That's one angry crab. That is one aggravated crab. That's very true. Uh, And so after a lot of outrage, uh, Unity has responded by tweeting out, we have heard you. We apologize for the confusion and angst the runtime fee policy we announced on Tuesday caused. We are listening, talking to our team members, community, customers, and partners, and we'll be uh, making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a couple of days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. Um, so this is the sort of thing where it's just like, how like, how did you think this could have gone? You know. Uh, so wh- what do you think about this this whole thing about them saying that they're going to take fees from from downloads and and all that sort of stuff? Uh, I get it to a point, but it is such like a messy policy um, because. Game Pass, let's use that for an example, right? Microsoft uh, pay, I, I believe, pays money to the developer for their game to be on Game Pass. Yep. yep. People download games on Game Pass to play for five minutes, even if it's free, be, just because it's there and they heard about it. They might not actually engage with the game, but they just download it to try it. And that, to me, kind of that really hurts the developer who's trying to do this to get their game seen. It takes away from that profit, that lump sum that they're getting from Microsoft. So I think like things like that, that is like one of those like short sighted ways. This policy is going to really, really screw people. I understand that unity is a company that you've licensed unity, that they have the right to do what they want with it. But it feels like at a certain point, if things are being developed in it already, if things are being budgeted in already, to like pull the 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 string out from under these developers like this just seems like a weird practice. Maybe it would be a different situation if they're like, starting now, if you are going to make a game on Unity, we are going to have to start doing this. Give us the reasons why. Do that kind of thing. I understand that costs go up, prices go up, things go up, technology goes up, workforces go up. I get all of that. But there's got to be a better way to get more money without really hurting these developers on an arbitrary way such as downloads because i'm sorry downloads and concurrent users is not the way to judge game success it is not how you you look at a game and being like this is a successful game because a ton of downloads there's so much more that goes into that and i feel like there are so many asterisks that this policy is really hurting developers because of it's just the sort of thing where like it is so short-sighted to me and it's just like how can we get the most amount of money here like it feels like they're saying like how can we get the most amount of money here and then just saying like oh well what if we just like made a fee for every time someone downloads a game and it's like oh great perfect but it's like did you you didn't think about what that means for the industry and and whatever else it's it just it's like a very very short-sighted like money forward decision to have made um and i think that the response from devs has been pretty well justified and and well earned of just saying like 
we're not going to make games with your with your your platform up if if you keep doing this. Can can you uh do you know the answer to this? Is it old games on Unity? The same thing applies to them? I do not know. Because that I mean that's even like bigger like thing of worries because imagine like having this game that you've made and all of a sudden you're losing this like steady like like profit on it and that you're you're hoping to keep your your studio afloat because I'm sure at a certain point you 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 don't get as many downloads and everything so I'm sure that's going to hurt people's bottom lines even more and change kind of stuff like I don't know it just seems like I get it you need to you need more money things cost look at the, go to the grocery store try to buy something costs have gone up everywhere but like there's a way to do it that is not like this that seems to just be hurting everyone involved this is so forwardly predatory in my opinion that it's just like it's it's pretty ridiculous um but so i guess we're still waiting to see what what unity is going to say about this and like it, how they're going to change things they said that they're interested in changing things but um I, I guess it's still a little too early to see but um i hope that that it all works out for all the devs who are hard at work on unity games and and are not going to just be completely reamed over the, the fence with this but there you go justin um ascendant studios they made immortals of avium a game came out what a month ago at this point um this was that sort of single player magic uh uh campaign game um that that we mentioned um on the show a few times uh and they recently announced ascendant studios that um about 40 45 percent of the team there has been laid off um let me read you this statement by Brett Robbins, who is the founder and CEO of Ascendant Studios. Today, we are heartbroken as we part ways with friends and colleagues at Ascendant Studios, about 45% of our team. This was, a pain, this was a painfully difficult but necessary decision that was not made lightly. Nevertheless, we have to make this adjustment now that Immortals of Avium has shipped. We are supporting those affected in every way we can, including comprehensive severance packages and job placement assistance as well as support services for all those who remain. If your studio looking is looking for proven UE5 artists and engineers, please reach out and let us know so we can introduce you to some incredibly talented game devs. I'm so proud of what our independent development team has accomplished with Immortals of Avium. Together, we've created a new AAA studio, a new IP on new technology during an era of our industry when that is exceedingly rare. We've poured our passion into Immortals while wearing our hearts on our sleeves. The studio will continue to work... Uh, that way, as we continue, as we support the development of this game and our Immortals IP moving forward with the future updates and o- and offers, to my team reading this message, especially those leaving us, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your invaluable contributors uh, contributions to Ascendant's culture and your tremendous impact on bringing Immortals of Avium to life. We wish you nothing but success in the next chapters of chapters of your careers. Please stay in touch, Brett Robbins, CEO, Ascendant Studios. So. Uh, this is this is sad. It's, it's unclear as to why exactly. I think, um, but it, it just it's such a shame to see such a large section of of devs laid off like immediately after their game shipped. But uh, what do you think about this? Um, I think this is more proof about why there are so many sequels out there. Sequels are known properties. Sequels sell sell better. Sequels yeah. are more comfortable, easy thing for a studio to do. Um, starting a new property like Immortals of Avium uh, and then having 
like not be amazingly like popular or successful or rated extremely high, even though I think it was rated in the 70s, if I'm correct, right? I think it was like mid 70s, high 70s. Mid 70s, which again isn't bad of a score. Look at me and l- listen to us when we say this. That isn't a bad score. Um, but when you have something new and it doesn't like catch on like that, all that time and effort, and then you lose almost half of your team. Uh, I think I think it's just it's hard, and video games are hard to make, and it's hard to live off of a career in video games. And when it is such a project to project type of job, it's really rough for these people. So my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to the this message. I mean, this seems like a sincere message, and I really hope that um, these people land on their feet again, and that the studio itself um, can live on and continue to develop. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. It's always a shame to hear when, when people like this lose their jobs, but Oh, Justin, speaking of, um, losses here, Square Enix stock has fallen, uh, 30% from its peak earlier this year. Um, meaning that the company has lost almost $2 billion um, from its value since the launch of Final Fantasy 16. There were a lot of um, headlines going around with Final Fantasy 16 sort of prominently uh, displayed there. And a lot of people were saying that that's kind of misleading because um, it's not because of Final Fantasy 16 that this happened. It's that, um, uh, 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 it's that like, this has just happened since that game has been out. And there are a lot of reasons to this. Um, a lot of people are... are uh, pointing to this, uh, here's a tweet from someone on Twitter at Jake, a game that says Square Enix, still no profit from Outriders. Square Enix loses $200 million on Marvel games. Square Enix, multiple mobile flops. Square Enix, Forspoken doesn't make back investment. Square Enix, Babylon's Fall bought by three people. And then Games Media, Final Fantasy 16. Uh, I, like, I understand what they're trying to say here. Um, I, I think that there is it is not as black and white as saying final fantasy 16 lost them all this money because square because final fantasy 16 sold as well as um what was it final fantasy 7 remake right um it just did not meet the expectations that square enix had but um and and i think it makes sense too thinking about like sitting here you know a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the disappointment of final fantasy 16 and sales numbers um it's disappointed square enix because they were hoping that it could bring up their losses to a significant yeah. margin. So they're probably like, well, I'm sure Final Fantasy can help bring us back. Maybe not to the two billion, but we can get up there. And when it was a good game, profitable game, but not two billion dollars profitable, a game that like is when everyone is playing and talking about, I think that makes more sense in the context of the company. But it seems like this has been something that that Square Enix has been having a lot of issues with for a while. I mean, this even puts into their uh uh, decision to sell some of their Western studios. It was probably not just for other reasons other than they were trying to stop hemorrhaging money and for whatever reason. And that's sad because I think a lot of these games are great games um, or even good games. It's just uh, people aren't buying them or they're getting burned by them or they're spending too much money. Not, not those consumers, uh, the uh, square Enix are spending too much money on all these projects without really like, investing their money appropriately towards their, you know, their high selling games like Final Fantasy. I don't know. I mean, this is scary to me because two billion is a huge number. Um, It's a lot of money. Are they going to be able to survive this? And even if they do not survive it and they get bought by someone, will they continue to still be the Square Enix we know? Or is it going to be a company just taking 
the name of Final Fantasy and going from there. So I don't know. This is worrisome to me as a fan of Final Fantasy games, as a fan of Final Fantasy 16 specifically. I'm worried about Square Enix and where they're going to go in the future. Yeah, it, it is one of those things, right, where we've talked about, like, what is Square Enix doing right now? <laughs> I, I know that sounds kind of funny as, as a way to put that, but, like, it is a genuine question. Like, what are they up to? They sold so much stuff, so many IPs and so many of their um, sort of, like, uh, the, the studios that worked under them recently to, what, Embracer and Gearbox, I think. Um, or I guess Gearbox is owned by Embracer. Um, so they, they sold a bunch of stuff. So it is a question of like, what are they doing? What are they trying to do? And losing all this, you know, this value is, is not great for, um, for them, obviously. I think that they're going to be okay. They make a lot of successful games. But I do think, as we've said before, it is about shifting their expectations because like, you know, hoping Final Fantasy 16 launching exclusively on the PS5 is going to be the thing that saves them from losing all this cash based on their these failures that they they've got um based on the, on their sort of recent failures is just like not realistic right like i'm not a business person i would never claim to be but like it, it just seems like a lot there is riding on a game that like i i don't know if it's going to sell as well as you might think you know yeah um they they talked a lot about like trying to appeal to younger people by saying like you know kids don't want to play turn based rpgs anymore but i would also say like well if you want to appeal to kids maybe don't make your game m rated and have a bunch of like like sex and swearing in it <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah i don't know um don't don't make it game of thrones because i don't think that appeals to young children um but i guess that's just me um i don't know it's worrisome to me red flags um scary flags but um things will change i mean i'm sure someone's gonna see this and be like this is a good investment and someone, someone will buy them up and hopefully help them make some better decisions. But yeah, but they've had they've had so many like publishing hits this year, too, that <clears throat> I think um, I'm not like super worried that the company itself is going to go like belly up. You know, you have like Octopath Traveler 2 and um, was was uh, Triangle Strategy this year. No, that was last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. Um, but they've had a lot of like non Final Fantasy stuff, even it's doing super well. But um, and, and I mean, even what Final Fantasy uh 14 is still huge and it's coming to Xbox what later this year I think so so I think they're gonna be just fine but yeah two billions that hits me how much is the company actually worth do we know um, um let me do a quick square enix enix net worth uh, it is worth 644 billion dollars so uh, oh Japanese yen oh my god I was like uh yeah, I, I was think like, that's they're actually good. A I, significant. No wonder amount. why no one could buy it. It says their market cap is four point two four billion. Oh, so I guess that is a pretty. That's like big hit. Then. Yeah. Like so a, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably still making money, but like that's that's a lot of money lost. And like, how many games make a billion dollars? I mean, not a lot, right? Right. Like, like, I can't right. So even like one game can't be the savior to come in and everything, but. Um, as of January 19th of 2022, Square Enix market cap was 5.9 billion. Now it's at 4.24 billion. Like that is not a good trend. No, no, it is not. So, um, but I guess, you know, it is just, it will be adjusting to see what ends up happening as they offload a bunch of their, their stuff. But uh, final story here, Justin, before we wrap up is, is it um, a happy one. 
I guess so, a, a little bit. It's just more news of the the Switch Two or the, the sequel to the Switch or whatever we're we're calling it here. Um, this one will not fit in your mouth. That's what the the subtitle is. That is true. Yeah, it's going to be thicker in every way. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, we're going to move on. Um, apparently, Activision was uh, briefed on the Switch Two in December of last year. That's according to the Verge. Uh, Tom Warren was taking a look at some of the uh, internal emails that were shown off uh, dur- during the FTC versus Microsoft case from earlier this year. Uh, and there's an email saying that uh, forwarded to Bobby Kotick and, and other Activision uh, executives and, and higher ups basically saying that they are confirming that they met with um Nintendo execs in 2022 um, to talk about the new Switch hardware. Um, this is interesting because um, we've heard in the FTC case uh, against Microsoft, uh, where Microsoft, I think, pledged to make sure that Call of Duty games come to um, both PlayStation and Nintendo consoles. And a lot of people were like, let's see that Nintendo Switch version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I imagine it's going to look a lot like that Mortal Kombat port, huh? Um but it, it would make sense then that if they are having to look at the hardware that they need to develop for um, what that new stuff is going to look like. And I imagine we can expect that the Call of Duty game for 2024 is going to launch on the Switch sequel, right? So what do you think of this? Cool. I'm excited for this. Uh, I think we all know it's coming. It's not, it's not a secret. There's going to be a better Switch out there. Um, I think the thing that I keep going back to, were they legitimately at one point going to make a Switch Pro iteration and what changed about that? Like, was that ever a realistic thing that they were trying to do? Was that something that was going to happen? Because this is like not just a Switch Pro. This is like a new console. I mean, the amount of like from what the rumors are about what it can run and what it can do, it sounds like a significant upgrade. Um, so I think that's interesting to me about the Pro situation. But how long is this going to be compatible with the next gen? I mean, we're how many years into the PS5 Xbox Series generation? Uh, three, three, it was 2020 when they came out. Yeah. Three. So this will come out in 2024. That's like closer to four years. How much longer is it going to be to the next version of this comes out? Even if it's four years, eventually that new console is going to be difficult to compete with the, yeah. the new iterations and stuff like that, but that they don't need to. I mean, I'm so interested. I wish I could find out how much mortal Kombat is going to be selling on the switch. Is it clearly something that's worth it? Are people buying it? Can they make it? And I'm still always shocked about how good Nintendo can make their things look, even if they have lesser systems. And clearly it doesn't matter because the Switch is still selling ridiculously well over anything else. So yeah, can't wait to get a new Switch in my hands and maybe even in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. Justin, let me say this. It's late. That one got me. (laughs) That one got me, but I think it's time we wrap up the show then. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode number 160 of Hitbox. If you're interested in supporting us, you can join our Discord server. Again, the link to that is in the description of this episode. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Um, Become a $1 podcast producer or a uh, $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jane all or like Dave Parker. Um, you get those bonus episodes every single week. I think it's, it's worth the cash. If you can't support us there, all good. Twitter.com at hitboxpod. Give us a follow rank us in your podcast player of choice. Justin, have I forgotten anything? 
No, you forgot um, that your your tan's looking great. Your hair is looking oh. golden. The luscious locks thank from the you, sun. Thank you. Did you have a Fabio beach moment? Did you like run in the beach slow motion? Um, have you ever tried to run on the beach? Mm, no. Very difficult. No, but you tried clearly. You you run for about three seconds and then you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it's then it's all over. But is there um, is there uh, video footage of that? There was not. Uh, no, me and Elena both sort of decided that it would look, make us look quite bad. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for listening again. We will catch you next week. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>